Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. The podcast has had over 1 million plays and that's all thanks to you. For the holidays, I bring you the best of series for 2023, the most listened to and loved episodes. If you enjoy the podcast, you can review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts or drop me a line on social media. This episode is brought to you by Dragons of Dusk and Dawn, a new novel by Aussie author Simon Higgins. Wei is a linguist turned military advisor, raised among the intellectual elite of China's mighty Tang Dynasty. Einar is a Scandinavian raid chief, a tenacious member of Viking society. Their cultures lie at opposite ends of the world, yet they are fated to be enemies in a monumental clash. Ferocity and cunning against methodical strategy, the future of a vulnerable kingdom hanging in the balance. They are the dragons of dusk and dawn. Check it out at undoredopress.com. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing the podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. You talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm uh, feeling sick. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I'm super excited not only to record the first podcast interview for 2023, but that it is my favourite author, one of my favourite authors. Better, better say that. Yeah, you better uh, qualify that. <laughs> better qualify that. And <laughs> definitely one of my favourite podcasters, Ben Hobson. Yay. Thank all you, right, Now, I'm good. Now, you just sit there all humble-like because I'm going to read stuff about you, okay? Oh, no. I know. No, it's awkward, that. right? It's all, but it's happening. <laughs> all right. And I'm going to do it in a, in a radio voice. You ready? Okay, okay. Ben Hobson is a teacher and an author based in Brisbane. To become a whale, his debut novel was released in 2017. It was long-listed for the Arbia Debut Fiction Awards and shortlisted for the Courier Mail's People's Choice Award. His second novel, Snake Island, which I loved, a literary thriller, was released in 2019. He also runs Ben's Book Club, a monthly online book club for libraries, and the ultimate podcast, Burgers, Beers and Books. The Death of John Lacey is his third novel. Mm. Now, Ben, I thought I'd call this episode Burgers, Words, Beers and Nerds. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's what do you reckon? I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that clever. I just sort of like did every second word, your podcast and every second word. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I've been, I don't know whether you've noticed, but I've been trying to get, as I introduce Burgers, Beers and Books, and because I've mucked it up so many times, mm. I just start doing bongos, beers. Mm. And... But that's a thing now. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. My kids yeah. keep on pitching ideas for b words <laughs> i think you need to extend that out right through 2023 and just see how ridiculous you can get because i'm enjoying that's it like, that sounds like a good challenge i like it and in fact when i was listening to your episodes um i forgot what it was called i'm like is it burgers beers and books is it books burgers and beer which order does it go in and i, I actually it forgot starts with books but i always get oh, it wrong and i, I just thought it started with there. burgers man i thought it was burgers beers and books does it end with books yeah I, I thought, is it with books <laughs> 
Yep. See, this is why I get confused. I don't know. <laughs> As we know, um, burgers, beers, books, whatever it's called in whatever order is part of the Words and Nerds Marvel Universe. Am I right? Mm, yeah, I'm very grateful to be a part of the universe. It was, well, yeah, because on that podcast, I interview authors about their favorite books, but it's just, it's really been an excuse to read some really incredible books and stuff that I would never have picked up otherwise. Yeah. It's like this little cheat sheet of literary masterpieces and not even just that, but like some really great, you know, not everything has to be a literary masterpiece to be enjoyable, just some yeah. thrillers and some fun books. And I read a children's book and yeah, it was really cool and to hear authors talk about books they love. Yeah. yeah. And just, just getting into the brain of another writer in a different way, right? Because I talk about process and books and then you've got a completely different angle, which is really cool. So I yeah, love your was, podcast. Thank you. Well, I love your podcast. Um, most <laughs> it's of become the time, a love fest. <laughs> why not? Um, most of the time authors pick books that are, I find really, really um, like I can look at the books they've they've chosen and I always am able to take or extract like a lot of meaning about the creative process from those mm, books. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so someone like Holden Shepard chose The Alchemist, but that was oh, just no. all about setting goals. Well, not setting goals, but like what is a life of meaning, you know? Oh, and they're just wow. these really deep I books. I loved the episode. Yeah, so maybe yeah. your favourite book is a reflection of who you are as a person or what you're trying to get from the world. Ooh. Yeah, but see, you, you, so when you pitch that at an author and you say, can you please choose a book that is extremely <laughs> meaningful and reflects you and your personality? It's no, you really don't say that. You don't say that because no. then they pick, you know, a novel. I try to keep it chill. A really moral novel. And you'd be like, my favourite novel is Anne of Green Gables, you know, that kind mm. of jam. Yeah, Instead yeah. of my favourite novel is Dorian Gray. By yeah, Oscar yeah. Wilde. <laughs> yeah, see, again, I've never read that book. And that's when I know that I know you've been mad at me about that one before. This interview if, is now over. It has I, concluded. <laughs> I don't need to interview you and I ask what your favourite novel is and then I'll have to read it. Oh my god. It'll mm. always be the picture of Dorian Gray, Ben. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um let's lock so, that in for I don't know, twenty twenty five. Doesn't matter when. <laughs> okay, we'll lock that one in. I'll put that <laughs> I in just want you to read it and we can have like a little it. Yeah, we can have a little talk about it. That'd be that'd be my dream. That really. would be cool. And this mm. this next month, because my book's coming out, I've got a guest interviewer interviewing me about my favourite book. Oh, so I love it. I know, I sort of turned it around. So I don't know how that's going to go. Yet. Well, you know, that's what I say about the podcast. There are no rules here. We just do whatever we feel like doing, basically. I think that's the best way to be. Yeah, be that's relaxed. our tagline. Oh, oh. Oh, the best way to be. So I'm in Brizzy. Gold Coast, actually, in March. Maybe we can tee something up. Can you read Dorian Gray by then? No. <laughs> Is it really big? No. It's not oh, really? Big. It's not like War and Peace. It's like a normal novel. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> That's maybe. really. Did you notice? Li did you like notice, listeners, how his voice was really high pitched then? Oh, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I could read it. Which is a euphemism for hell no, Danny, leave me alone. So let's get no, back look. to you, Ben. Well, look, we can have this conversation on air if you like and air everything out, but yeah, March should be good. I just got to check. I'll pencil it in. When are you up in March? I'm up for Somerset Story Fest, so I'll be there at the end of March. Is that actually at Somerset Dam? Is that where that is? It's at Somerset, the school. Okay, yeah, because I used to go to a camp at this place called Somerset Dam, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, really and I, I've beautiful. never been to Somerset School, so that okay. would be interesting. That's beautiful too. But yeah, okay. we could meet somewhere and we could just like hang and do a pod. We could actually have a burger. That sounds good. We should. Yeah. I should do this. Let's just pencil it, lock All it right. in. Pe 
pencil it in doesn't sound locked in, but let's pencil it in with let's a very light, yeah. light pencil. A light pencil, yeah. <laughs> that Erasable can be rubbed pencil. out. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ben, let's get back to you and the death of John Lacey. I sure. picked up this book. It's kind of like, it feels like a bit of a masterpiece. That's a, a massive word to use, but I it appreciate is. it. It is a bit of a big I feel word really awkward use. now when you say that. Yeah, you look really awkward now that I've I said do. it. <laughs> I do. But congratulations. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. No, no. Congratulations, Ben. How does Thank it feel you. to have another very ordinary book in the world? <laughs> That's, yeah, I like that pitch. <laughs> Low expectations. Um, it feels... This is the first interview I've done for the book. Yes. Yeah, this is what you did with Snake Island too. You got me oh, on the first yes. one, if you remember, yeah. So your elevator pitch is going to be terrible. You're going to be trying out answers. This is great. Yeah. Love it. I have no clue what I'm going to say. Yes. We're just You're the practice run. You're it's the guinea fantastic. pig. Fantastic. Oh, um, <laughs> great, thanks. I've but, been called worse. <laughs> then the guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. well, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm really excited. Um, I can say that out of all of my books, I think my writing in this book is the best that I've ever been able to achieve. Um, I laboured over this book and it was a very long process to get it to where it's getting published and there's a lot of important stuff in there to me. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm just grateful that it's, you know, people are going to be reading it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I, I love reading, you know, books like kind of a journey, you know, for the reader as well, knowing this is your third book. And I don't want to say the word matured because who likes that word, but mm. I did feel a different sense of your writing when reading this. And mm. I love the quote, the Weekend Australian said, they said, Hobson writes as if his life depends on it. Like they made you sound like Bruce Willis. <laughs> A lot of compliments on this podcast. <laughs> I'm all right with that comparison. That one's a good one. Well, like see, I here. haven't done a podcast um, in like yeah. six weeks, so I've just got so many compliments just ready to come out of my mouth. So you're lucky. That's great. Mm. I think you're the perfect time then. They've been stored um, up. Yeah, I, I definitely. I, yeah, no, I, I definitely. I think that word matured. I don't mind it. I think it's true. Um, and I've talked to a few other authors as well, and I think that's true of most authors when you read their very first novels sometimes though it's a different thing isn't it where someone just knocks it out of the park with that first one and you sort of always want them to return to that yeah but i don't know maybe i'm like i age better i guess i don't know but i i definitely i know my craft was different with this one like i'd, I'd really felt it and it's snake island came out in 2019 but i wrote that in 2018 mm -hmm. you know and so this one has i've had five years really on that other one and yeah, I just think my craft has gotten, I hope it's gotten, I felt it's gotten a lot better. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to say better because I always liked your writing and I love Snake Island, but there was a difference to it. There was a difference, you know? I think there's a... Um, <clears throat> a refined, I think I'm really, like a wine. That, thank you. That was actually the word I was going to use. I really tried to refine my writing, not like the wine. <laughs> but I really did try to whittle it down a lot and mm -hmm. uh, I, I purposefully chose early readers with this one who I knew were just going to make me cut every single superfluous word, every single thing that in there that didn't have an impact. And it was just red lines. And I don't know how you felt when you read the book, but it, uh, to me, it feels like it, it just goes at a clip. That's mm -hmm. because of that kind of that whittling down. And mm -hmm. it just, you know, I also read um, that George Saunders book, 
um, on creativity, Swim in a Pond in the Rain, um, where it looks at these Russian storytellers. And one of the big lessons from that book was this idea of iteration and how every iteration of a scene will slowly get to the core idea of what that scene is supposed to be. And so I did that with every single page, um, especially like the first scene, the number of times I went over, I would have rewritten that thing hundreds of times and every single time it would whittle it down and refine it or add to it. And yeah, it's this idea of like the number of iterations you do, the cloak can get to the type of thing that really sings, I guess. Mm, yeah. I also like the idea of having quite a, a heavy novel with really sort of intense um, narratives and, and themes and then having that sort of whittled back text. Like I think that really worked. Like it worked for The Road, right, with McCormack. Yes. Cormac. Yes. What did I say? McCormack. Well, I, one, I, one I changed. Books is the road. I yeah. made his name like I joined his name together. It's actually Cormac McCarthy, right? And I said McCormack. <laughs> make that mistake with um, Corley McCulkin as well and make the same mistake. <laughs> D names on the front. <laughs> yeah, but Can't there's a, that, that was very powerful, um, that novel. Yeah, but, yeah. And I, that is what I aspire to. There's a, well, you know, aspire to Cormac McCarthy like in my dreams, but that type of idea of whittling back and refinement and just being as as bare as possible and stripping out every single thing in there that doesn't need to be in there. Like I got rid of the dialogue talking marks. I got rid of, yeah, just any scene that didn't add to something or wasn't there for a purpose. Like I really labored over it. It took a very long time, but I'm really proud of that I put that effort in. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you could tell, you could tell. Now I usually ask elevator pitch um, straight up. So listeners actually know what we're talking about. Um, So this is it, Ben, this is your first opportunity at an elevator pitch. So don't stuff it up. I should have practiced. I didn't practice this. I normally practice Mm -hmm. this over and over before I have to do Just practice now on air. No one will mind. Sure, on air. All right. Let's, you know, I was just talking about refinement. Let's refine my elevator pitch. So (laughs) the death of John Lacey, uh, to me, it's an Australian Western it's set in the gold fields of Ballarat in the 19th century. And it features a lot of desperate characters, um, particularly John Lacey, who is um, lusts for this kind of power and gold. And uh, to me, he lusts for a type of legacy, type of impact, like he doesn't want his, he doesn't want to leave the world without everyone knowing who he is and what he stands for. But he's an absolute horrible person. Um, to me, he's kind of representative of a type of, you know, not to use the word psychopath, but that type of person is just able to push away any sort of empathy or emotional connection to others just to get what he wants. And he just is so black and white about this is what I want. This is how I want to get it. And he will just do anything to get to that. And he almost doesn't even consider morality, doesn't consider a consciousness or a conscience, I should say. So he was the first part of the book. Um, and then all the other characters sort of revolve around him and his rise to power. Um, you have two young brothers, you have Ernst and um, Joe. Um, and then they're on the run from the law, they kind of run afoul of John Lacey. And then you have a third character. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, re- just realizing, don't remember his name. <laughs> 
Hang on. No, no. Let me look up Scrivener. Oh, my gosh. I seriously am having fun. a mind blank on his. This is fun. Hey, Gilbert. This is Gilbert. fun. Gilbert. I was hoping name. I could remember it before you. That would be even better. I wish, yeah. So Gilbert Delaney, and he sort of comes in and he sort of is the, the link between the two, and he's sort of protective of the young criminals, but he's also trying to stand in between them and John Lacey. At the same time, he's dealing with his own morality as a priest. Um, he's got his own sort of demons that he's dealing with as well, but... And then the whole novel sort of culminates. I don't know. How was that? Was that all right? Oh, it was fantastic. I, my favourite part was where you forgot your character's name. Oh, so damn it. It was great. I loved it's it. It's been a while since it's, I opened it. Gilbert it was kind Delaney. of, yeah, it was kind of the torture that I was looking for, really, Ben. So you nailed it. Mm. Now, I love, I love, no, don't be embarrassed. We're just relaxed here on the podcast. It's fun. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You've written this masterpiece. No, masterpiece. No, no, sorry. It was. <laughs> I'm I'm only slightly embarrassed, but I'm also okay with being that because it is. I mean, it is the process, right? Yeah. Like the last time I looked at edits for this book were in oh man, like August Ooh. last year. Keeping it real, and babe. I've completely started a new thing. Like I'm into a new thing, yep. and so then you go back, and you're like, oh, okay, on, but yeah. Anyway, and you know, how many times have you called your child the wrong name? You know, like the other sibling or the dog's mm. name or something. You know, I have. So you're going to forget a character's name who you haven't talked to since August. So don't feel too bad. It's fine. I've called my daughter the dog's name a number of times. She doesn't like that much. No, but I think that's fine too. You know, we're all human (laughs) human beings. (laughs) Now, this novel has gotten some serious attention, Benjamin. Chris Hammer, Mm. we love Chris Hammer. He says, it's a powerful morality tale that evokes the hopes and brutalities of Australia's frontier with clarity, depth and empathy like could you even just, you can just retire now, honestly. I know, it's pretty nice. <laughs> now, you have in your novels previously, you've really explored violence yes. and morality and brutalities. And you, my friend, are you know nothing like one of those toxic masculinity people. So tell no. me what it is about exploring this in your writing. Um, I guess it's the safe place to do it, isn't it? Um, it's just stuff that I think is meaningful to me because while I, I, you know, I certainly don't think I walk around feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders all the time, or at least I try not to, you know, I try to live a You seem pretty happy, relaxed joyful... to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I try to. But, you know, I am, or I try to be as thoughtful as I can be. And I think that's one of the main things that draws me to reading good novels is this idea of I get to sort of explore morality and explore my own ideas about what is right and what is wrong and how to play out a situation where I wouldn't know a clear path through those ways. Um, and so, and, you know, honestly, with the, with the frontier as well, I mean, it was a very, very violent time. Um, I wouldn't want to write a book that had the frontier or frontier, you know, to use those words, but to have that part of Australian history in my book without having it be an authentic picture of what kind of distressing, horrifying place it was for a lot of different people, especially First Nations people of Australia. Um, You know, Um, yeah, I guess to me, a book is a great or piece of art is a great way to sort of explore those things in a intellectual, empathetic kind of way where you're not actually doing the things that the, you know, the horrible people in the book are doing. Mm. Oh, I like that. Now, speaking about um, you know the research you did, you worked with Indigenous writing and 
and mm -hmm. um, editing for the project and you did, you know, you got sensitivity reads, et cetera. Did, so yes. tell me about this because that's really important. It's incredibly important. Um, I actually spend a very long time uh, debating whether I should write the book at all. Wow. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. well, I wrote the first part of the book I wrote in 2019 and then I just stopped writing it because of that because I was just like, I don't think I can do this. I can't do this mm -hmm. well and I wouldn't want to, especially add to any sort of misrepresentation of um, First Nations people, you know. Um, it took a, a long time, but the main thing I did was I went and wrote out the um, protocols for um, the use of Indigenous um, work and, and people groups in from the Oz Council. Mm -hmm. um, and then the main thing I did, the very first thing I did was I went and actually um, contacted the, the leaders of the um, the people group, the Wadarung people, where the book is placed because it's placed in Ballarat. Um, so I worked with them and they put me in touch with an artist named Marlene Gilson. And so I called her up on the phone. I was very, it's an awkward thing, honestly, Danny, mm -hmm. to to say, can I, can I use Aboriginal characters in my book? Because I wouldn't want to, you know, present that part of Australian history without using, having Aboriginal characters but it still feels like taking, like yeah, I don't, it yeah. felt, I think it should feel gross. Like it shouldn't feel like a comfortable thing. Um, but Marlene, man, she was so kind and just so down to earth. And she just laughed at me a lot and teased me a lot. And was, uh, <laughs> I like her already. Yeah, she's cool. Um, I, I formed a really good friendship with her. Um, she read her first draft of the book when it was really rough and she was, really kind i kept on saying can i please send you some money for this like you're doing all this work for me and she's like no 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 i just want a copy of the book um so she was lovely um and but that i think that's the most important thing that i did was actually work with um the Wadarung people to actually work on representations but then the sensitivity reads reading a lot of first nations authors and stuff like that as well um and just being hyper aware of never attempting to tell um, an Aboriginal story. You know, I wasn't ever trying to work from the perspective of a First Nations person. Um, the other thing I did too was I actually added in some of my own history into the book. Um, the very start of the novel starts with this court transcript from uh, Edwin Montague, um, who's the father of Ernst, uh, and why he was shipped to Van Diemen's Land and then why he but that's actually from the court transcript of my Edwin Hobson. That's, wow. Yeah, so my ancestor and why he was originally shipped over to Australia as a um, as a convict. Wow. So, yeah, I guess I did all those different things. But I guess, yeah, the main thing was always being hyper aware of being respectful and being and working and listening, I think, was probably the big thing, right? Um, listening to the notes I got, listening to Marlene. She actually helped shape the ending of the book as well, Marlene. Wow. So, yeah, listening and working in conjunction and not just blundering in, I guess, or attempting mm. to not blunder in. Yeah. So it was very, it was very interesting, very tricky. And then on top of that, it was all the historic research as well of the time. You know, there's lots of reading books, lots of reading books. <laughs> So do you feel like this was kind of a really personal, emotional book for you to create because it's got your history in it? You worked closely with Marlene. Mm. 
um, you know, third book, bit of bit of stress and pressure on a third book, third album. Does, yeah. it, does it feel like it's a more personal book than the other two or just a different experience? I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely my most personal book. Um, it felt like it reading it, I've got to say. It oh, felt like it. Um, <laughs> I just think it's, I just think it's really, I've never, I've never sat in that part of my, my history in the way that that book forced me to sit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. And, you know, I don't pretend to know a way forward. I would again say that we should be listening more than we should be telling. Um, but it, it just to sit in that really made me reflect on, like I'm writing, I'm talking to you in this interview on the back of that violence. You yeah. know what I mean? And I love this country and I love my life, but man, it's, you need to reflect on that. You need to understand that, I think, yeah. before we move forward. There's, there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of brutalities in history that yeah. we often don't recognise that we probably should. Oh, absolutely. And then um, Gilbert Delaney, he is probably the closest to me that I've ever written a character, I think. Wow. Um, is that well, the one you forgot his name? I did, yeah. I yeah, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe that's a bit of something there we should mm, dive into, some sort need, of thing um, I'm trying to, you know, push away. you psychologist. Yeah. Uh, just phone now and <laughs> chime so in. He, he, um, he's dealing with a type of, you know, I don't want to put too many labels on it, but he's dealing with a type of obsessive thought. Um, so I read a lot about obsessive compulsive disorder and um, I read, you know, I've, I've never been clinically diagnosed, but I've just in reading it, like I know that I've gone through this type of obsessive thought, intrusive thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Where it just feels like the whole world is swallowing you up and you can't walk and you feel corrupted. You feel awful. And so he's dealing with this in the guise of like 19th century Christianity. And so it's, yeah, to, to me, he, he represents a lot of me trying to puzzle my way through the things and ending up. Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't want to end the book, you know, on the yeah, podcast. Please, please. Yes. Well, no, <laughs> no spoilers. No but, spoilers. But yeah. he, yeah, he, I think is the closest to me. You got all the characters in there. I mean, even John Lacey, right? Like he, he is absolutely the worst person I've ever written in my history of writing, but man, he, he was so clear minded. He's mm. awful but there's absolutely no conscience in him. He doesn't question what he does. Mm. All my characters, I think, just agonize over what their decisions are and what the effects, he doesn't care. And so it was almost relieving in a horrible way. Do you know what I mean? And I was thinking about people like that, like people in positions of power, CEOs and politicians, and like it's, you want to follow those people, I think sometimes because they are so clear on things and they just don't seem to care. Mm. about people and it's it's easier to not care yeah oh man yeah so it was just it, yeah made me really go through a lot of this book mm. I guess. and that was my next question <laughs> I mean, you talked about reflection but how did it change you mm. I think that's a good question I bet you won't get that asked anywhere else how did it change me <laughs> hopefully I'm more hopefully I'm more hyper aware of my position I think um i also think that i've developed a bit of a better or i hope i've developed a better sense for or mistrust of the easy answer 
Oh, I like that. Because mm, John, that's what John Lacey offers is mm. an easy kind of answer. Just do this. But I don't think we should feel I, I, like I have a, a distrust now of how quick, how quickly we are to judge and how quickly we are to push away and make it answer easier. answer questions that are asked of us. You know, I think we should be able to say, I don't know. Or I need to think about this more. I need to, you know, learn about oh, this more. You know, sometimes we jump into these opinions without being informed. Oh, I was I was thinking about that about because um, I'm getting more and more annoyed with Twitter. Um, <laughs> I love think, Twitter. Don't think like you're my alone. Whole, <laughs> my, my whole well, see, it has to me. It has nothing to do with Elon Musk. Like it has no. nothing to do with that. But it's just I just want I just want to see an interaction on Twitter where someone says loudly proclaims this is what's my opinion and this is what's right and then someone else writes back well have you considered it from this point of view and then the first person says oh good point actually I was wrong I withdraw what I said my bad imagine have you, that have you imagine. ever seen that <laughs> I've seen it in real life but I've not seen it in social media and you know they're yeah. the people that I respect immediately straight away and I gravitate to those people that yeah, had some yeah. sort of an opinion and then then they listen to somebody they're like oh tell me more about that because maybe yeah. I haven't thought this through properly I mean that's what evolution is of our you yeah. know of who we are isn't it to be able to change mm. our minds and grow like that's really grow empowering person, to yeah. be able to do that i think it's empowering to admit i don't know yeah it's empowering to say like, you're wrong as well you know yeah. like, oh, i was wrong about that or i was ill-informed or i didn't have the you know the yeah. right information i do that yeah. daily as a parent to be honest yeah no, I, <laughs> no I'm, I'm with you i think i think i want to model that to my kids mm. to be able to go to them you know what i don't know the right way forward here i'm doing my best and just be nicer. Anyway, I, this is, didn't mean to turn into a rant about Twitter, but that's... <laughs> I think we no, got deeper just, than that. <laughs> well, yeah, I just... That's sort of a microcosm for me of the way that I feel like we're getting less able to resolve conflict through listening. Mm. And, you know, hopefully this book has made me a bit better at listening to mm. people. Listening mm. is a skill because I think... You know, you've been in a group of people where someone's telling a story and everyone's just waiting for their turn to speak. And I think as you get older, it's a real skill. I've had to learn that podcasting is just you've got to sit back and you just got to listen, you know, but it's a skill you've actually got to consciously um, think about, I reckon. Yeah, it is. And then build it into your personality. And that's, yeah. I'd like to do that. And so that's where I'm sort of, I'm, you know, and listening, and that's what reading is too. Like reading books, you're sort of reading a bunch of people who aren't you, yeah. And you're listening to their stories. That's 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 the beauty of reading, mm. in my my opinion. Is like well, they do you, think they do say that um, books change you. You know, as you the more books you read, the more changed you are after them, which I think is remarkable. I love that. I really think that's true. I don't. I don't think I've ever read a book where I haven't felt something at the mm. end of it, even if I don't respond to the book that much. Mm just enriching it enriches you and reading from diverse authors and reading from history and reading oh man it's just it's so it just you feel more like you're eating all these different parts of humanity and you're just yeah, sort of, you're growing in your understanding of people you know and, what book you need to read ben to complete this mm, journey the picture sure. of dorian gray <laughs> full circle that's why you're the best at this or all the way back. That was a fantastic segue, really. You did well, yeah. A picture of Dorian Gray. You made it really easy for me, though. You mm. made it super easy. 
I teed it up. <laughs> now, Benjamin, you've listened to this podcast before, I hope. Uh, why do you write? I think I write because when I read books, I it's the deepest sense of feeling that I think I get. And so if I can do something and contribute that to another human being, that's massive for me. And if, if, if all I ever do is just get one person to be moved the way that I'm moved when I read my favorite authors, then that's huge to me. Mm. I sort of, I think I've gone past writing for the sake of myself. Yeah. Like I used yeah. to just write to just enjoy, to get something out of myself, but I'm really, I think a bit more keened on to, um, writing for others, mm. I think. I like that. And I like how that's probably a different answer to what you gave me when we talked about Snake Island. So I love how that's an evolving answer. You know, the why it do would you be write really question. interesting to go back and listen to that interview mm. now, actually. Mm. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> well, Ben, as always, I've had a blast. And, you know, I just sort of remembered that we're both English teachers as well. I'm not anymore, but, you know, we have that kind of thing as well. So I felt like we were yeah. going down that English teachery path when we started talking about, you know, how books have an impact on people and eating up humanity. I'm like, yeah, this is English teacher talk. So, <laughs> well, you know what? Can I say the, the thing that I was talking about listening to others, it has endlessly equipped me. Oh, no, endlessly is maybe the wrong word, but I'm much better equipped to teach. Because mm. in the room of 24, 26, 28, sometimes different young people and to have the sense of patience and to listen to where they're coming from. So rather than just slap them down when they're out of turn and all those sorts of things, actually take a second to go, okay, well, why are you? Mm. What's happened in your you? life today? Yeah. To make yeah. Or just what's going on in life? You need a break. And yeah, yeah if, if I'm a more patient, person, I think, yeah. Books make people more patient, I think, mm. or they can, at least mm. if you read them a certain way. But that's mm. uh, hopefully I'm more patient. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I'll uh, talk to your wife after this and I'll confirm or unconfirm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think she'd say that's true, yeah. <laughs> ben, always a pleasure. I've really enjoyed this episode of Burgers, Words, Beers and Nerds. Yes, like how, the first yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll have to and... write another book to get episode two. <laughs> First episode for Words and Nerds for 2023. First interview for you. It's pretty special, I reckon. So I really thank you for all your thoughts, um, personal you. thoughts as well. I mean, we always have great chats about this. We could probably chat yeah, for two hours. Do. I so. really appreciate talking to you, yeah. Always, right, and then, yeah. And the next time, oh, thanks, Ben. Next time we talk, you're going to say, Danny, I've just read Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Not the next time we speak, the next time we, we speak on the podcast. Yeah. Well, right. the next time we speak, because that will mean you just will block me. Right. That means you'll no, block me. But, yeah, the next time we podcast maybe. So maybe you just have to read it before your next book comes out. Yeah. Well, we said March. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I thought that I'm was very lightly pencilled in, but I thought you'd rub that out already. <laughs> no. Never say something I'm not going to actually have a look at. All right. Now, just don't get the novel with the really tiny font. There's one with really tiny font that I read when well, I was I've been 20. Using, Can't read you know, it not to be a shill, but I've been using the Libby app. So I can oh, just get cool. okay. it on there. Look, I borrow Perfect. it right now. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Wow. 21 days to read. Is that enough time? Um. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Am I really going to like it? Like, Well, just give it five chapters. 
but it's amazing. No, I'll read it. It's I have such to read a, it. It's such a reflection of society and it transcends time and it's about, you know, okay. what can you do in this situation and are people evil, you know, is he that immoral or is he immoral or is the other person immoral that takes him down this path? Like, come on, Ben, it's, you'll love it. It's amazing. All right. I, I think you sold me on it. I think I'll read it. <laughs> I look forward to uh, the progress on that. You let me sure. know. <laughs> and if March becomes September, that's okay too. It's totally fine. But this, yeah, I think we will. I'll look up my schedule. It sounds cool. <laughs> ben, always a pleasure. Love your work in all you that do. you do. And um, I was yeah. kind of, when I saw this book, this masterpiece of a book, I was like, no, oh, I'm so proud of Ben. <laughs> Thank you. I'm hoping I get a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. I hope it sells millions. Thank you. Millions. Thank you for your time, Danny. <laughs> no worries. Catch you, Ben. Bye.